Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. We are in uh, Romans chapter 4 as we go ahead and dismiss the kids. And many of you um, have been raised or being raised by Christian parents. And um, as we look at Romans chapter 4, talking about faith, I think of um, the four decades that I had to observe the faith of um, my mother. So a lot of what um, I'm saying today is in the context of observations, and we ask the question, what is faith? We all have different experiences. We have different uh, ideas when you hear the word faith. Uh, In the church today, there are many different uh, beliefs and ideas about faith. And what we want to do today is we want to understand faith according to the Word of God. We want to look at the Word of God And I want to encourage you to study and read Scripture, to not just say, I mean, so many people, you know, that I talk to, they say, well, that's what our church teaches, or that's what so-and-so said, or that's what Billy Graham said, or that's what Rick Warren said, or that's what Joel Osteen said, or that's what uh, David Jeremiah said. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with listening to people preach God's Word. And there's nothing wrong with knowing what your church believes. You should know what your church believes. But ultimately, um, you and I need to study Scripture. And we need to examine Scripture. If you just look at this picture here, to my left and um, your, your left as well is Martin Luther. And many years ago, next week will be the anniversary of the Reformation, Reformation Sunday. And uh, Martin Luther uh, went against what the church was teaching. And you and I would not be here today in a church that's not Roman Catholic if it wasn't for Martin Luther's uh, departure from the church. And he didn't intend to do that. His intentions were simply to read Scripture and understand Scripture and to address some concerns he didn't just up and say, hey, I'm going to leave the, uh, the church. He put 95 theses on the door in Wittenberg and said, these are things that I believe the Word of God teaches. Not Martin Luther, but the Word of God. And you and I should study the Word. And when it comes to faith, which is such an important uh, part of our, our Christian uh, beliefs, We should understand faith according to the Word of God and not just take people's words for it. Take what I'm saying today, go home and study the Scripture. I encourage you to read, once again, I'm going to encourage you to read Romans 1 through 5 this week and next week, and then we will move into Romans 6 through 8. So we're starting off with Romans. We're looking at uh, sin and salvation which would lead us to our discussion about faith. Uh, The next section would be sanctification. That's how you live the Christian life. That's how you overcome sin. 
And then we'll move into God's sovereignty. What does it mean? You know, at what level is God in control of the universe? How does God work according to Scripture? Not our feelings, not our experiences, not our traditions. Not uh, We're non-denominational, but not a particular denomination. And at some point in time, you know, through Amy's teaching and my teaching, we'll probably cover some of these things so that you know what other denominations, where did they come from? You know, what are their particular beliefs? Not so you can, um, you know, not just to puff us up with knowledge, but so that we understand where people are coming from. I know, um, you know, each denomination and, and uh, church have many different things that they emphasize in, in different beliefs, and it's very important in, in our world where there are so many different churches on every street corner for us to know what people believe and understand what the Word of God says. So let's get into the Word in the text to see what God's Word says. What then shall we say, Paul writes, that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? And remember, Paul has been talking about faith. He's been talking about what Christ did on the cross. He's mentioned that all have sinned and we're unable to save ourselves, and that God sent Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that through faith we could have a relationship with God through faith. And now Paul is going to use Abraham as an example of that faith. He says, in fact, Abraham, was, if, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. And we could do the converse of that statement to see if it's true. Abraham had something to boast about God, therefore he was justified by works. And we know that's a false statement because he didn't have anything to boast. He didn't go around boasting. So therefore Abraham knew that it was not through his works that he had been saved and come into this relationship with God. Abraham's relationship with God was not based on performance and achievement, but rather a trust in the promises of God. That God appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, who has left his family or was in the process of leaving his family, and God said, come follow me and I will take you to a land that I will show you. And Abraham, without seeing everything that was laid out before him, stepped out in faith and began to follow God. And I remember reading Genesis for the first time, and I read that in chapter 12, and I'm like, man, this is cool. And I'd read Matthew before I read Genesis. So I said, wow, this is like Matthew. This is like Matthew 4, you know, Jesus calling those disciples Come follow me. And they step out in faith and they follow Christ. Wow, Abraham did the same thing. And then I turn over to the next couple chapters and verse 15, you know, uh, God says to Abraham, Abraham, I am your shield and your great reward, and I will make you a great nation. And it says in verse 6 that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And I'm like, didn't he just follow? And it's like God kept appearing and making promises and telling Abraham things, and Abraham just kept believing and believing 
And then, and then in chapter, I think it's 19 to 21 somewhere, God says, after he's had his son, he tells Abraham, take your son, your only son, and take him to a place that I will show you and offer him. And Abraham was willing to obey because he believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead even if God allowed him to follow through with that. And it's faith, it's faith, it's faith. And then we get later on into Genesis and it says, now God had blessed Abraham in every way. It's faith, it's faith, it's faith. And it's a growing faith, it's a maturing faith, and it's steps by steps. And it's not without mistakes, because Abraham made some mistakes. And when he made a mistake in one chapter, and you turn to the next chapter, God appears to him, speaks to him, and makes promises. And what Paul is arguing is this life of faith lived by Abraham is the Christian norm. It's not unique. It's not unique to Abraham. It's what God wants for you and I. The same faith, the same relationship that God had with Abraham, God wants us to have in our Christian walk. And that relationship is based on faith. Taking God's promises made to us, revealed in his word, spoken to us and confirmed to us through the Holy Spirit, and you and I acting on that faith and trusting. Believe in God, yes, that is true. I believe, and then we act and we walk. And if we do that little by little, then our lives will look back and see a legacy of faith. Now, you and I were shocked by the story of Ravi Zacharias. And it's like the greatest fear that I have in my life. And I think Paul had that fear. And many people have that fear. That Ravi Zacharias lived his life with the appearance of faith. But the inward reality of not faith, but rebellion. Now, I don't know where he is. I don't get to make those decisions. That's between him and God. But the issue is, do you want to come to the end of your life and for the truth to shine on your life and to be seen that you didn't live what you believed? To me, that's not faith. That's a faith that failed. That's a faith that was not real. So faith, while it is a belief, it is a trust, it results in a life that is changed. So how do we balance that? How do we balance that with the human nature that makes us, that or allows us to struggle so much with sin? It's honesty. It's honesty before God. And we seek to be the same person in public that we are in private. And that we're driven not by our reputation or what we appear like or what people think about us, but that quiet time when we're alone with God in its real talk. Lord, this is who I am. And you say, Lord, these are my weaknesses. And I am here in faith seeking to change, to live a life that pleased you, that pleases you, being convinced that that's what I want, that that is my desire is I want to follow and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God, you see my heart. You see my trust in you. 
And you made some incredible promises in chapter 3. Some incredible promises. One, that you will forgive me for my sins. And two, that you will save me from sin and allow me to walk in a life that is becoming more and more like Christ. What is the promise of salvation? That in Christ, you and I have forgiveness and freedom from sin. That we can overcome the flesh and the world and all those temptations little by little, and we can live the Christian life. That's impossible apart from the Spirit of God. And that's why it's faith. It was faith for Abraham because what God was able to do through Abraham so that his, he would have this son Isaac that would eventually become this Jewish nation was a miracle. And so salvation for us where we have that relationship with God is that trust and that faith to see something before it is accomplished. And that is an overview of the faith that Abraham had. What does scripture say? That Abraham believed God. This is Genesis 15, 6. And it's also Romans 4, 3. It's the New Testament quoting the Old Testament. And it was credit to him as righteousness. People say, how do you know the Bible is the word of God? I'll tell you one thing. I've looked through scripture. I have just studied and studied the word of God. And there's so many quotes in the New Testament that matches up in the Old Testament. And when I was a young man, I used to look at it word for word, almost letter for letter. And I perused the word of God and I studied it. And I said, is there a slight contradiction? And I studied and I studied and I took every word. So and I read it in the new, I looked at it in the old, I went back and forth. I went to college and they taught me Greek so I could get even more detail and all these years of studying the Word of God, and it lines up in a way that no book lines up. It's supernatural. And I challenge anyone to sit down and have a rational conversation with whether or not the uh, Bible is the Word of God. Based on the, the accuracy, the inspiration of Scripture, and the supernatural nature. Not to mention the life-changing power not to mention how the, the Bible, the Old Testament, was found in caves, hidden in caves, where he had all these, these manuscripts, and they matched up with manuscripts way down in Egypt, in Alexandria. Just all these miles apart, written at all these different times, Manuscripts found where they were written before the events occurred with prophecies that were fulfilled in history. So much evidence at some point in time, I just said, you know what, there's enough. There's more than enough. I'm drinking from a hose. You know, it is too much information. God, you have overproved your point, I believe. And that's the, you know, the, just the way God made me is I was very analytical about things. And with all that analysis, I walked away and I was, I was satisfied. And then I explored it from the emotional viewpoint of how does it work? How does it work out in real life? And I saw the practicality of faith. So I saw the intellectual reasons. I saw the emotional reasons 
you know, the practical application of faith. And it all comes down to, with all this information, it's simply taking God at his word and stepping out in faith. And whatever you require, wherever you're at, intellectually or emotionally, because some, sometimes we bring a lot of emotional hurt into the Christian faith, and God is able to deal with that too. God is able to heal the past. God is able to heal the hurt and comfort the people who are hurting in the weak. God is able to do that, but God is also able to answer our questions, our, our rational questions in our mind, so that we can with confidence have a faith that is based on reasons and walk forth in obedience and trust God and not to waver when circumstances go like this. Anybody can trust God when everything seems like you know, you're on top of the world. But you have to become more grounded, and that faith is grounded through the Word of God and through believing that God will do what He says He will do. It says, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift. When you go to work this week, you know, it's not a gift they're giving you. They're giving you what you earned, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Faith trusts God to keep his promises. God has promised to forgive us and to cleanse us from all sin. If we will come to Christ and confess our sin and place our trust in him, God has promised to forgive us and to give us the freedom from our sins. Now David says in Psalms, Psalm 32, David writes the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. He says, "'Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven.'" whose sins are covered, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count, never count against him. So David says what a blessing it is on a person who has been saved by grace through faith. What are those blessings? God blesses us with so many things in faith, trusting to receive those blessings. Faith actually releases the spiritual blessings of God, hope, not despair. People need hope today. Love, the Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit. When we come to Christ, God pours out his love in our heart so that when we love people, we're not doing, we are simply working out of an overflow of love that God has for us, that God loves us so much and in our undeserving state, that God's love prompts us to love people that don't necessarily deserve it. God gives us joy. Rejoice in the Lord. God gives us peace. We sleep at night, not because we're perfect, but because we know our sins have been paid for through Christ. And we are forgiven. There is peace. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Paul writes. We have forgiveness. We have forgiveness and freedom from shame and guilt. All of these blessings are released when we trust God. And when we don't trust God and when we look to ourselves, it's like a spiritual struggle. 
and we're trying to earn and to achieve what God wants to give us if we would step back and surrender and place our faith in Christ, not our good works. And then God will work in our hearts and begin to change us from within, and then we will boast not in ourselves, but in the Lord. And that's what David writes about. That's what Abraham talked about. That's what Paul, summarizing the Old Testament, writing something to the Jewish people in the church at Rome that included Gentiles and Jews, explaining the Christian faith in a way that they would understand it. A place that he had never been, but that he had a heart to communicate to them the gospel because he saw their potential in Christ. And I see the potential of this church being unified to walk out into the community and to share the love and grace of God. Not as an obligation, but as a response to God's love for us. If you and I feel God's love, if we know the hope of our salvation, if we experience the love of God, the unconditional love of God that loves us as we are, seeking to change us to become who God wants us to be, if we reflect the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Lord, then the people around us will notice and we'll be able to encourage them. They might be rubbed the wrong way as they see the Spirit of God. We might, we might rub some demons the wrong way. But through prayer and consistency and patience, we will be there when people look to us for spiritual help. Paul writes, is this blessedness only for the circumcised, the Jewish people, or also for the uncircumcised, the Gentiles? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? If it was not after, it was not after but before. So Abraham's faith became before he even obeyed God. He had faith even before. He received circumcision as a sign, as a promise, as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe, had not been circumcised in order that the righteousness might be credited to him. Are you saved when you're baptized? Or do, are you baptized because you are saved? You know, you and I, we come to Christ. There is a moment in time when we trust Christ alone for salvation, resulting in a changed life. And it is a promise. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a promise. And God sees what we will become. Just like when I watch someone play their first chord on the guitar. You know, I've seen so many people play that first chord. And that first chord and that decision to become a guitar player is filled with all the promise in the world. Because I've seen people surpass me, so many of them, play that guitar and surpass what I know. And when that man or that woman comes to Christ, all of that potential is contained in their life. And all of that potential is here today with each young person, which 
each middle-aged person, older person, all the potential of what you can become through Christ, all the people that you can help, all the people that you can reach, all the spiritual victories you can achieve, all of the sins you can overcome, all of the depression you can conquer through the love and peace of God, all of the prayers that you can pray, all of these things. God sees all of that potential. And there's no limit, and it is available to every single person. Faith begins when we believe that God will do what he's promised us. He promised Peter, James, and John, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. There is no limit to what God can do through your life. God will put you in places where you can talk to people, and you never know those conversations where they will end up. Many years ago, I was working at... um, Bojangles, when we first moved up here, I started working at Bojangles, and they allowed me to travel and go to different um, restaurants, and if somebody would call out sick, I would go uh, run the restaurant, and I would meet people at different places, and I'd met a young man down in Winston, and one night I was, uh, I was given some tickets to see NC State. Somebody gave me some tickets to go see NC State play basketball. And for some reason, I thought of this young man that I'd worked with at Bojangles, and I had his number in my phone because I'd given him a couple rides to work and gotten to know him a little bit. And I knew he was a fanatical uh, NC State fan. So I called him up and I said, Chris, you want to go see NC State play basketball? And we went down to uh, Raleigh and we watched NC State and we joked and laughed and had a good time. And we were riding back and we started talking and he started sharing a little bit about his personal life and and you know he mentioned how he had been to church and and I said have you ever considered giving your life to Christ and he goes you know I really want to do that just like that he prayed to receive Christ it was a beautiful thing and God puts you in places where you see faith born in people And you get to watch what faith becomes. And my prayer with the young people here and with each one of us here is that we would trust God for our salvation and trust God for our spiritual growth. And that we would look back to that time and moment when we decided to follow Christ and that we would draw strength from that and that we would pray for other people and that we would Pick people up, as someone told me the other day, when somebody's struggling, that we wouldn't walk away, but we'd kind of pick them up and help them, and that we would renew our faith. And when we find ourselves not walking in faith, and we come back to church, and we sit in church, and we hear these words again about Jesus and his love for us, and his desire to lead us to follow and obey him, We would renew our faith and we would recommit ourselves to follow and obey him and we would get back up and get back on the track and try to stay on it a little longer and go a little further. And before you know it very quickly, we will be standing before the Lord. Life is short and it moves back so quickly. And my passion and my desire is to encourage and to motivate each one of us to stay the course, and to continue and to grow in our faith. 
It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless. If we could work our way to heaven, if we could read a rule book and just keep it and impress God, we would not need faith. Because the law brings wrath. The law brings the knowledge of our sin. The law leads us to a conviction that we do not measure up to God's standard. And all of us face the reality that we do not have the holiness of God fully in our lives, that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when we see that and we feel that despair and we feel that shortcoming, we turn to Christ, not ourselves. Not to compare with one another, not to justify, not to make excuses, but we trust in Christ. And in trusting in Christ, the Holy Spirit builds in us humility and faith, and we begin to trust him, and God works in us what he expects of us. And where there is no law, there's no transgression. If there was not a standard, we would not be guilty. But there is a standard, and that standard is Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life, and God calls us to follow and obey him. Therefore, the promise comes by faith. So it may be by grace, and it may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. Abraham's faith is a model for the Jew and for the Gentile. Faith is available to all who believe in Christ. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Faith moves us from where we are to where God wants us to be. Faith is the trust we have that God has made a promise to us that if we will be faithful and obedient and trust him, that he will lead us to that destination. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Faith overcomes the impossible. There are many things in your life as you live your life and as we live this Christian life, we're going we're gonna to encounter a lot of things that seem impossible. We're going to encounter a lot of difficult circumstances. And the Bible says those things were meant to, to test our faith, to demonstrate our faith, not to sidetrack our faith, not to derail our faith. God does not allow trials and temptations so that you'll become discouraged and lose faith in him. God allows those things so that you can be built up and to grow 
and that you can become stronger. It is through trials and temptations that we grow stronger in faith and we trust God more and rely upon ourselves less. Why is it credit to him as righteousness? The words it was credit to him were not written for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Salvation includes three things. Justification. That's God declaring you righteousness. God declaring you righteous based on the work of Christ through faith. It also involves sanctification. That's God taking you down a path where you will become more and more like Christ. So God justifies us, we're forgiven, and God begins to change us so that we are transformed to become like Christ. And then finally, God glorifies us. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To live is Christ, to die is gain. The Christian has hope in this life. The Christian has hope in the next life. That if we live our lives and leave behind a legacy of faith where we live for Christ, that we will come to Christ and be forgiven, that we will grow in Christ and serve him, and one day God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. My challenge today is that you and I would be the type of people that there would be nothing in our private life that is not pleasing to the Lord, that we would know the Lord in an intimate way and who we are would be who we are and that we would grow. And where we're weak, we would be humble and honest and seek out God's help and seek out teachability, accountability, and all of those things that will help us grow in that sanctification so that when we close our eyes at night, we're not worried if anybody figures out anything because who we are will already be self-evident. And to live the Christian life in such a way that we can reach other people and bring glory to God by what we do and say. Faith leads to spiritual maturity. A faith that is real will make a man or woman that is faithful. And that man or woman will mature spiritually. Not a perfect man or perfect woman, but a faithful man. That when we are wrong, and I, I praise God, you know, I've taught school for many years, and I've never had a better year as far as the honesty of students. I praise the Lord, although I don't, the students have this year are no more perfect than they've been in other years, but they take responsibility. I've never had a class that took responsibility for their mistakes like these, these young men and admit when they're wrong. And I, it is a model for me to live the Christian life in such a way that when I'm wrong, I'm honest with God and I allow him to change me. So how do we grow in this faith? How do we grow in faith? Trust God for forgiveness and a new beginning. Every time you mess up, every time you get off track, every time your attitude or your, your focus is not where it's supposed to be, come back to the beginning and start all over trusting God. 
Take steps towards becoming the man or woman of God you were meant to be. Have a plan. Have a strategy. You know, get in the Word. You know, what happens? I mean, there are a lot of places you go, and there, there is a big push to respond emotionally to a message. The big push that I want to make is for the next five or seven days you read the Word of God to first make sure that what I said was true. Because maybe I was playing a joke on you. Read it. Make sure it's the Word of God. Make sure this is what, and make sure you're, you, you're going to do what you say. We don't need people coming in here and standing up doing a song and a dance about how much they love the Lord and walking out this building and living like the devil. That's a turn off to everyone. Either do it or don't do it. Read it and, and make sure you know what you're getting into. Are you going to follow and obey Christ? Or are you going to live like the devil? Don't be fake. Faith needs to be real. Either believe or keep studying until you can believe. If you're not ready, that's, that's not the end. If you are not ready, seek God and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to confirm so that when you make a commitment, you believe enough to follow through with what you say. Live out the faith that is real, not the faith that is done to impress other people. Thirdly, don't quit when life becomes difficult. Be more determined. When it gets tough, when there's opposition, let that motivate you. Be the Michael Jordan of the Christian faith. When you're down 10 points, play harder. Don't give up. Tough, you know, just toughen up and say, you know what, I'm not quitting. You'll have to drag me from the court. I'm going to win in Jesus' name. I believe. Lastly, boy, I need more faith to see. <laughs> Don't travel on your spiritual journey alone. You and I were not meant to live the Christian life alone. We need people. We need encouraging people. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I want the toughest people there are. I want people that are going to be tough with me because I want to win. I want to grow spiritually. I want to I be corrected when I'm wrong. I want to be told when I'm not humble in following Christ because I have a goal that means more to me than my reputation. I want to know in my heart, I want to know as a reality that I've lived a life that is worthy of the Lord. Paul says, live a life worthy of the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. You can't fake it before Christ. The, the reality will come out, the, the, either real or wrong, either fake or real. Be real. Be fully committed. Faith, must, faith is not complicated. It's thinking really deeply about a really simple thing. Either we believe, which will result in a changed life, or we are not ready, we don't have enough information, and we need to seek God more so that we'll fully convinced in our mind 
that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead and is worthy of everything that we have. And in doing that, there's great reward. And there's no other life to live other than a life of faith in Christ out of love for what he did for me. He died for me, therefore I will live for him. Knowing, not looking back, not having regrets, but I am going to sacrifice whatever the cost because he is worthy and he is more than able to resurrect anything that is dead because there's a great hope in Christ. There's great love in Christ. There's great love, joy, and peace in Christ. And Christ alone is our salvation. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.